Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Keen Minds, where we're covering NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 5, Episode 18, Zarak Mozadek. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa, formerly a theorist. <laughs> She's still a theorist. Don't let her lie to you. She can't <laughs> stop herself. We're at the beginning of the right before we started recording on the podcast, and we always do this. We start discussing and go, wait, wait, start recording. Mm. But she was sitting there explaining her theories to me, and I'm going, maybe I can't trust their writing right now, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it was better because um, Brussels may be um, Belgrade. But then I started looking at things, and it doesn't quite really feel that way upon further examination, especially as I rewatched. And I gotta say, the character this episode that absolutely to me took the most valuable player was Cynthia Panabaker. I've always, like, I don't trust Panabaker any further than I can see her, but I've always really liked her. I have no idea what she's saying most of the time, yeah. but I really like her. <laughs> well, you know that there is a very interesting theory in Reddit going around that she is, um, that, that she's Katerina Rostova. Down to the redhead. I, she's the right age, though. Mm, I, I think that would break my brain in all the wrong ways. I like Why? her, but no. And she looks nothing like Lottie. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what's Lottie's last name? Verbeek. Verbeek. Mm -hmm. um, Verbeek, maybe Verbeek. Yeah, I, we, we've already decided that Jen cannot pronounce anything. Um, <laughs> one is one that I cannot either. <laughs> there we go. At least I'm not alone. Um, oh, goodness. No, I. That that's the problem I've got right now is that I'm sitting here and I was discussing with, with another theorist, not Tessa, just another theorist. Um, she goes by a couple different names, uh, but we, we were talking on on Twitter and discussing the fact that we watched them dumb Tom down. That this character that they built up to be a master spy, he was the top of uh, you know top recruit of a major of the majors organization, which was supposed to be you know, the best of the best when it came to to uh, the finishing schools for the spies. Red said it himself. Exactly. And he said that they don't, they don't take except kids of exceptional intelligence. Exactly. And then time after time, from about season four on, he just couldn't win, including all through Redemption. I think that might have been one of their problems with Redemption is their lead character just kept failing. But they're doing that in the main show, too. So I guess they just don't know how to give their leads a win anymore. But... They they took this man that was supposed to be incredibly intelligent, and he was, no matter what they did to his character, and they just kept dumbing him down and dumbing him down for easy, lazy writing. I I have said it time and time again since the fall finale that one of my biggest yell fests, I actually went silent when they killed him, but one of my biggest yell fests during the episode was the fact that Red called him in the middle of Grand Central Station, or whatever station they were in, I don't remember now, called him over... The, the overhead with his name broadcasted to everybody, and then Tom went and took the stupid call. It was like, I'm sitting there yelling at both of them going, you're both too smart for this. Why would either of you do that? You are both in espionage. You know, that was about as inconspicuous as shining a light on somebody. What's wrong with you people? 
Well, and, it's and it's more than that. I mean, they, they but the dumbing down is not just Tom. I mean, oh they, no, no, they had it was just the one I'm starting. Stupid, stupid things. They've I done mean, it to Tom. Who They've on done earth it to is Liz. going to go uh, into into that motel and coral the guy and not even lock the door, not leave somebody outside? I know. It just a time and time and time again. Just I'm sitting here going, I don't know what they're doing with him. But I mean, at at the time, why take the bones? You only needed the report. Yeah. Uh, and so. You know, they did that, but they've done Liz down at every turn. I thought they were working their way back to really smart Liz, and I was really hoping for that. But then, right as they started getting to it, I felt like they just kept falling short this season with Liz. She just always seems to be one step behind. And, I mean, honestly, at this point, with with everything that happened in this episode... I'm watching them dumb red down now, and I'm going, what, what is the purpose of this? I don't understand, and it comes down to lazy writing, I think, and that, that's so sad for me, and so frustrating, but all of this to say that I can't trust any theories that I might or might not be able to come up with for the show and put any stock in them, because you can't tell if it's someone being lazy on the writing team, or it's a clue. It could be either. It could be neither. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Let's toss it up and see what we feel like today. Yeah, exactly. That That is exactly the way I feel. I mean, uh, upon examination uh, of of the Belgrade thing, uh, I found he's... Red is really saying that Red didn't try... That wrestler didn't try to kill him in Belgrade. And then Ressler said, no, it, 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 it wasn't, which is true. He didn't. He tried to kill him in Brussels. And then I thought, well, maybe that is, you know, I, and my first reaction is I'm so upset. My second reaction is, wait a minute, are they being so clever that I'm not getting it because it's like the, the Panabaker non-deny, deny <laughs> yeah. that, that I'm denying that, that, that I'm not denying or is it is it getting to a point in which we have this seeming incongruency that either we accept that this woman is Jennifer, but then you're so scared that you left your mother. You inflicted that kind of pain on your mother because you're scared of your father, even though your mother hasn't seen I, your father in 20 I, I, years. I need to go back to season two with that because I haven't watched that episode in a long while. But I don't I didn't get the impression Jennifer was scared of Reddington, just wanted to stay away from him, just wanted nothing to do with him. He's a bad person. She didn't yes. want to be any part of that life. I didn't get the impression she was scared of him necessarily. Not, not I don't think do you. I think you're completely right. But then the thing is, here she is. She's so scared she left her mother. She inflicted a kind of pain on her mother to say, I'm leaving and you're never going to see me again. I'm never going to see you again. And, it, you know, I'm so scared that I'm going to just go be a barmaid, a, a woman who must have got, you know, a, a, an education who, I, I, I mean, Carla doesn't look stupid. Red is certainly not stupid. she got to have more in that brain. And there she is. But not only that, she goes, a woman comes in alone, no backup, no other agent, flashes a badge, takes her to her apartment and tells her that everything that they're having an investigation, this is the things they don't know. They can prove that. 
And then to that woman who looks so suspicious that is doing all this crazy stuff, you're going to blab who your father is because you're so scared of him that you've been in hiding. But to the first idiot that comes with a badge, you're going to tell them that you're the daughter of Raymond Reddington. It's either incredibly lazy writing or is incredibly clever. And I can't figure it out. But the thing is, you turn around and on the flip side, Liz is doing this? I, I have that in my notes. Like, why did she take her to her home? I understand taking her to a more secured location. The sitting there and having the conversation at the bar wasn't an option. She needed to get her away from the setting. She needed to get her away from the potential of Garvey walking in, you know, to someplace that he wouldn't go look for. All of that. I understand that. But why on earth would she take her to the place where she sleeps? I would never, in her circumstances, take this woman who has a link to the man that killed my husband in my home for her enough to drive 50 minutes away in order to give her a hug. I honestly think that as that Garvey knew they were good, he he knew that he was being investigated and decided to do this little trip to put a trap. Maybe I I Uh, can't, I can't mean it's either brilliant and I'm, and I'm all, I'm back to this thing where you go, is it brilliant or is or is stupid or be, be beyond anything you can you're, imagine? You're in the hope of the denial phase right now. <laughs> I've been well, there. No, I have I'm, been I'm, there. Don't worry. <laughs> you're just you're a few steps behind where I've been this entire season, and I've actually kind of circled around. I'm I'm not as much hopeful anymore as I've just. Getting into the AU that I've been writing, I've been able to remember what I loved about this show once upon a time and and enjoy those pieces of it just kind of set apart. And so I've actually been happier to be back in the last couple weeks than I have been in the last few months. But I'm also gotten to the point, I, I think finding out that Ryan was taking on another gig was the closure that I needed for that because it wasn't that I was sitting here and just hoping that they were going to clean up their mess. Well, I don't expect that from them anymore. I, you I, know, I, I have a small yeah. hope, but I don't expect it. I, you know, it, it, and a part of me is saying, you know, this is just, it, it can be. But then there is that, there's always that little thing that you don't, I mean, it doesn't fit either way. It doesn't fit completely as lazy writing. It doesn't fit completely as brilliant. I, I think it doesn't fit as, I, I don't think it, Fitz is lazy writing because we know the insane talent that they've had on this team. Like, we, we have seen the pieces. I, you can't make this crap up. You know? Well, the, the, the one thing that is interesting well, to me is that you yes. have now... Huh? I, said, I said, well, you can. You know, the writers did make this crap up. But, like, they, they fit all these pieces together and all these strings together. And I, I don't... I don't know. Because either... Either you and I have misread so much and we're a couple of blithering idiots, which is always possible, I suppose. Um, but I I feel like, that. I mean, and to be fair, there's a whole set of group that believed one way and a whole set of group that believed another way. And there's the set of group that I speak to regularly that believed a certain way. And so maybe our group just read it wrong, but I it felt like a massive change in... I don't want to say direction because, you know, that, that sounds, I don't know. It, like the, it just felt like a major shift that I was not expecting. Well, I, and I can tell you exactly when this thing started. 
in 422 was a very, very strange episode. And I didn't realize how, I mean, I couldn't really get all the pieces. I, I could get the Sea Duke part and all that. It just didn't seem like at one point it was like they inserted some scenes that weren't supposed to be there. Where was uh, this? What episode? 422. Which one was Camp Plan Conclusion. Okay. Yeah. And there, there was one thing that is true, and, and I think there's been somebody in Reddit mentioning this. They have a set way things go. You get a body, and that body goes one entire season mm-hmm. to episode to the eighth episode of the next season. And that's always been the case. That It happened with Berlin. It happened with Peter. That's the way it goes. It usually spans from across seasons and ends, and that kind of propels the next one. Yep. And and in this one, in Kaplan, they they comp- they messed it up. Kaplan Kaplan dying there was a was a little bizarre to me. She should have gone for a few more episodes. Uh, instead, they they had her die. But then the DVD came up with that deleted scene in the barn, and that deleted scene in the barn read true. That read to me that that belonged in that in the in that uh, episode. Which deleted scene in the barn? That's when Kate and Liz are talking, and she okay. says that they're, um, you know, that now, why do you do that? And, you know, these people are my family, and you're putting them in jail. Mm-hmm. That scene read to me real. The scene at the beach read to me, like, did you even pay any attention writing this? Well, I will admit, and I, I thought it was in part, I, I felt like all of season five has been a little funky. I thought that a lot of it was me, because I started watching um, Winona Earp at the same level I was watching Blacklist, and I never do that. I never, I, I tend to be a one fandom at a time because I put so much into a fandom. And so I was balancing two fandoms at once, um, and so I was distracted from it, and I mean, five seasons in, it's going to take a hit. They took hits from writers leaving and just various things happening. And so I just kind of assumed when the 5A felt weird that it was just that season five lag, you know, that's we're wrapping it up. We're getting to the end, you know, and I really didn't think a whole lot about that. And now, looking back, I'm just going, I, I'm looking at all the pieces, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. and going, this whole season's been really weird. Yeah, it, it, it started because they weren't doling out any, any, any canon facts, even though they had the perfect opportunity to do so. I mean, here it is, Red starting up, uh, Liz in, in uh, you know, finding out. First, they dumb Liz out because... You know, you mean to tell me in those car trips, you know, you're not saying, you know what, why don't you tell me about your family? What about your father? It was my grandfather. I'd like to learn know about him. Or there is about, nothing of that. Or what about Liz apparently didn't know that Tom had something to do, was involved with Nick's death? Because at that scene at the, at the, uh, at Nick's funeral, I, at least everybody I was talking to, I, I thought it was pretty clear that she knew he had some sort of tie to his death, 
whether he was responsible for it or just involved in it. You know, she didn't have all the details, but she was pissed because she knew he was keeping a secret. And that was the... That seemed to me what the whole scene was saying. And then we turn around and... You know, I think it was Singleton that that said something about Tom was, you know, uh, Nick wasn't helping, or uh, Tom wasn't helping Nick, Nick was helping Tom. And no, that was just, uh, the, the drug dealer, uh, Navarro. Navarro, okay. Um, and she just was so shocked over that. And I'm looking at these two scenes and going, where is the disconnect? I, but I we never... had the disconnect between uh, Ruin, where they just threw redemption to the wind and were like, timeline? What timeline? We're just going to pretend that Tom's mom and Tom were on great stances when everything that happened didn't happen or did happen. And yay, Howard's in prison. I mean, it was just, there was so little effort put into that. And there are just all these scenes that don't make sense. And so I, I think that's why that you hope it's not lazy writing because it just makes that little sense when you compare it to looking at four seasons, for the most part, of of things that did make sense. I I never read that that's that scene with Liz uh, in the cemetery as that. I, Ooh, I thought I that she was very conflicted. I never did. I mean, I know that a lot of people did. I never did. I never read it as she knew. Um, but they they. I mean, the 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 way that this setup went. They have, they have never, ever been so stingy with, with canon facts. I mean, three canon facts, because the other ones are maybes or shoebies or and parallels are not canon facts. And three of them are, honestly, I mean, and they gave us the, the date of graduation, correct? Which is 1991 by telling us that he went into the academy in 1977. That only made any difference if you were going to address ballerina girl then at the end of of uh in in, pl- in season five they make us now they basically tell us maybe this is ballerina girl because she danced and but the 1987 uh, program could be you know that it was an old program but still, why give us that date if that doesn't make any sense with anything else? Because you're not giving us that that this is Jennifer or their, the ballerina their girl. Their dates it's, have always been all over the place, though. Because but not had, in the past. No, in yes, the in the present, past. Yes. No, no, they were. Because, I mean, look at Tom. Look how badly they shifted. To, I mean, I don't know who just threw out to, the, the date for Tom meeting the major, but that was the most absurd date they could have thrown out for, for timing. And, I mean, I've complained about that for years. Uh, yes, t- Tom, because I think Tom was supposed to be a little older and then they have mm. to recon it because they cast Famke and, yeah. hey, you know, are you going to have her be like a teen mother at 12? Yeah, uh, but I mean, like, I'm I'm sorry, Ryan Eggold has a baby face. Like, you don't age him up a lot. I mean, maybe a year or two, but you're not going to be able to age him up into his mid to late 30s. I mean, he's just not. And I, I always thought that that may have been out of the the... But and yes, I think it was that, a fluke. That was a mess, or not a fluke, but but a the the, mess the up. problem with but not the the past history with with that. I mean, maybe because I think that they were they were making up um, Tom's story on the go, and they changed some things. 
and they adjusted some others and because it was an interesting story. But they had never had such a messed up as they had the birth certificate and the date said that Tom was 31 in the death certificate that they show in the, in the toe tag it's 31. And then they have him on the, the tombstone says 1985. I mean, what's the problem? You cannot have an intern go and look on the other things. You don't have a timeline that you can just look up when the characters were supposed to be born. I just, I keep going back to, and, and I posted something the other day about this. When I write, I have, I mean, and this is fan fiction. I'm not getting paid for this. I have plot points up the wazoo. For this one that I'm working on now, because I'm trying to fix all of their plot holes, I mean, it's... When I I gifted it the other day, it scrolled for a good, like, seven seconds trying to get from top to bottom. It has very much grown since then to to plot out this story. It was the same way... uh, the, The last really big Blacklist story I did, Everything Back to You, the last big AU that I did, um which was like 245,000 words or something like that by the end of it. It was the same way. I had so many, I had dates, I had pre-story dates because it was the whole big AU with with Tom being Jacob Phelps and having gone through the FBI and, and switching Tom and Liz's backgrounds. I had dates where people met. I had dates where people were born, where they die. I mean, I had... So many different things because I refuse to get them mixed up. And if you don't write them down, if you don't have a place where people can look, it's anybody's fair but game for do. that. But they That's better, the but they part. don't seem to. If they do, then nobody looks. It, it, uh, it, it, the funny thing, one, one of the most interesting things to me had been an um, um, interview that the Blacklist exposed it of uh, Daniel Nauf, and it was... It was very interesting because he said that he wrote an episode, he solo wrote an episode. It was when most episodes were not solo written by Mm -hmm. anybody but Buckingham. And he did one on his own, not with another writer. It was Kate May, wasn't it? Mm, No, he solo wrote, I think, another one before that. And he said it almost broke his brain because he's so deeply plotted. Mm-hmm. Now you're having all these writers, new writers, some of them, this is the first writing gig, writing this episode. Not to say maybe they're brilliant and maybe they can do it, but I think that that is taking its toll. And I know that one writer takes the, the, the credit, but there's also this th- this issues that are cropping. And it could be brilliant writing. Or it could be just plain that they're above their heads. They're writing episodes in in a show that is so plotted that they don't. Or not plotted. And they, that's the been my complaint. Is it? It's, it's, I, I think the episodes that is a problem. I think. Yeah, I mean, I it's. I just I, I have trouble wrapping my mind around why with all the different technologies, all the different apps, have an Evernote's file with a bunch of plot points that you go back and check things against have a google docs that you're sharing with everybody and you get 15 eyes on it and someone needs to catch it you have a room that is a writer's room get yourself a big black whiteboard i think they do have it pieces of it and and it's and and you write down you know a, a line and things that happen in that line 
It's not complicated. Yeah, it's exactly. And, that, and that's where to, I get so frustrated because like I know the talent. These mistakes should not be happening. And if they did, they certainly shouldn't be happening in season five. They should have their stuff together by this point. They should be wrapping up all the the dangling threads right now, not tripping over everything. And that's what they're doing. They're not wrapping them up. They're tripping. I think that the the most of the uh, of the stuff that they're doing seems to me that I mean when I looked at the way the season was going when I look at the way it seems to me that when NBC and uh, and Sony came to an agreement there was a change in direction and that manifested itself in the changing of 422 in which Kaplan jumped to her death. They add the suitcase, um, which I'm not too sure that that was, um, you know, planned before. And they, huh? So that's a possibility. It was a very, it's one of those scenes that it doesn't, it could have been one of those like, well, let's go this direction instead. And it wouldn't have been a difficult scene to go ahead and film later. Yeah. That, it, it had nothing, you know, on it. Just and, and I, th- I, I do think, I, because because it ties to the to the drawing that Liz did, that there was something that was supposed to be buried there, and maybe it was the bones. But what I have a very strong feeling is that this was not supposed to happen this way. They went back, they refilmed some episode, some some parts of the episode. And they got to to this reveal of the mother. I don't know if the executives were getting uh, worried with all this, like, father, non-father, and worried that, you know, these people were getting so upset. But I think there was also something about about maybe Tom being a casualty of that, because I think that NBC wanted him for this show. I don't know. I I don't. And I've I've been talking to some friends. I'm like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall, because if it... If I could make sense of it, I think I would feel better about it. Because, I mean, there, there's got to be something that makes sense to them. I, I, As much as I am flippant about it, I don't think that they've just thrown their story to the wind. They've put too much time, too much effort into it. You know, as a writer, I know that your story is your baby. So, I, you know, if John really just doesn't care anymore, then I can't understand his mindset. I, I have a hard time legitimately I, believing that he just doesn't care about his story anymore. I don't think that that's the case. I think that they that there were some pressures and they changed things. And by changing awesome. things, they got themselves painted into a corner. I, I definitely think that they've painted themselves into a corner. And, and, and honestly, I always felt that even though it was imperative that Liz found herself in the position that Red was. In other words, it's, it was imperative that Tom was supposed to be dead in order for Liz to get at this, because this is what has been happening since the beginning. Liz is increasingly putting positions similar to Red. Even though Red tries to do everything impossible to avoid that happening, it always ends up happening. But... I thought that there was a mistake to actually kill him because they only needed to take him out for a few months. Yep. And I thought that that was a plan in redemption because redemption with redemption, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. You could have Tom in a mission and he's presumed dead in a mission. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to blacklist. He's dead. 
she's in that same position of wanting to avenge that. And you could do a nice tie up with both and you get her in the exact same position. Instead, what you have is, is, is that you kill him and by killing him, you eliminated you eliminated a, a, a factor in that relationship of Red and Liz that that kept Liz from completely going in the crazy direction. Then you well, that's, Liz- I've been saying that for a while, that we saw in season two, this isn't a new thing. We saw in season two what Liz is without Tom, when they were emotionally separated and then physically separated when he went off to Dresden. We saw how dark Liz went. She kept him on a boat. She tortured him. She was. She nearly killed the deer hunter. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. She just kept falling down this hole uh, of this dark hole of what yeah, she the was willing master. to do. Because yeah, the, with the, the harbor master, all of that. We we have already seen that, and so. The fact that they've really sense. taken him, it's its really, as frustrated as I've been with, like, how dark can we get Liz? Realistically, we've already seen that. This is not, but she's never going to come back from it. Her light is gone. Well, it, it, but the most interesting thing to me is that you, I mean, and this is where things start to get dicey of saying it's just lazy writing. Because, yes, you see how Liz is doing in this episode. They actually have a very, very interesting moment. When uh, when Liz says, well, you know, at least take comfort that if you die, I'll be very, very sorry. And she looks really crazy. Well, I think she was just I think she was pointing out how how tiny the possibility was that he, you know, you know, if this happens, if this happens. I, I thought it was snarky more than crazy. Did you see Ram's face? He didn't take it snarky. Obram was not taking any of that snarky. Um, but to be fair, Liz has been twitching a whole lot more. We talked about it last week. She did it again this week when she was talking. It was much more subtle this week. But she she's kind of got the red twitch going on. Um, yeah, she's doing crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean that that and I and I think that it's funny because they're making Aram and 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 Samar being the the, the normal people in the show. I mean, <laughs> Samar, you got to stop taking advice for people who only have terrible relationships. I made the comment on Tumblr the other day and someone's tags. I don't remember what post it was, but we were talking. Oh, it was uh, Whimsy over on Tumblr, Whimsy and something. Um, I reblogged one of her, uh, her Saram gift sets. And in my tags, I said... Aram, honey, don't take advice from the people that have never had normal relationship. Normal relationships. Wrestler drove his fiance away with his obsession with Reddington, and then she died when he finally got her back. Liz and Tom were a chaos fest at the beginning, and they they finally got to a good place, a healthy place, but. It's because it was a a unique relate. It was a unique relationship. No one's going to double that. (laughs) They look at their parents. Neither of their set of parents were able to double that. And he still chose to keep that secret from her. I I understood his reasons, but it's not the only choice he had. And he went for that instinctively because like red, they just love secrets. Neither. Re- or n- neither wrestler or Liz is the go-to for relationship advice. It's a horrible place to go. Well, there was another. Tom wouldn't have been uh, either. I-, I love Tom to death, and he could probably tell you how to get a first date very easily, you know. But 
I mean, he and Liz just happened to work very well. And it was funny when Aram made the comment about socially, you know, she's she's an idiot. I'm sitting there thinking it's because she had a husband that could read all of her tells. And so he knew how to react to her. If she had had a normal, once again, if she had had a normal husband, he wouldn't have had any idea how to deal with her. Well, and not even then. He could not really read all her tales. He no, thought she could. <laughs> <laughs> that's how she got Craig uh, jumping out of a window because he couldn't read her tales. Oh, Liz. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's been a very, oh, I love the other thing that Aram told Liz is like, you're, you know, when she says, I'm an idiot, says, oh, in, in socially, I mean, in the in work, you're, 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 you're kind of a savant. Yeah. And I thought that, that was interesting because in a way she is, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that Liz has had, other than the mask that she was wearing at the beginning, that she has any had any other relationship in which she's not using people. I mean, if you really look at it, she's very much Red's daughter. Yeah, yeah, it's entirely accurate. Uh, what do you think? They, 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 um, should we call it a gripe fest? Yeah, so that's a good one. Change the words every yeah. day. Gripe Last fest. time was a rant fest. This is a gripe. It's a little more chilled. We're not quite as angry this time. It's just frustration. And uh, we're we're going to reassess at the end of the season for those that have asked us because I know that I had a lot of people asking if I was about to bail at at the fall finale and we, we are going to reassess and see how many podcasts we're going to do next season and and see because if we're not going to continue a weekly thing in which all we're doing is griping about the show like we, we used to love this show it's it's frustrating for us as viewers to be in this position and so there's there's no reason to harp on all the negativity every week if it continues that way and so we're, we're going to reassess at the end of season five and that's assuming we get a season six i'm just making that jump immediately um i think I, we will because I the think casual we viewers love it well the casual that's viewers the think he's thing. coming back <laughs> well but but let me tell you what when my casual viewer told me my my litmus test casual viewer told me, I don't think that's Jennifer. Hmm. That's her first reaction as when she saw Tom kill. She said he's not dead, and uh, when she saw this woman, she says that's not Jennifer. We'll see. Like I said, I don't trust my own assessment anymore because I don't trust the the I, I don't trust the solidness of their writing. Let, let's not call it flaky writing let's not call it lazy writing i don't trust how solid it used it used to be solid it is no longer solid writing i'm 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 torn between is either brilliant or very bad and i can't tell it's not brilliant um because they've screwed over their ending and so when, when you've screwed over your ending that badly it's never brilliant um well i don't but that's that's your opinion because you you were reading towards a happy ending. I was never reading towards a happy ending, so I'm not... For me, the ending hasn't been screwed. Happy may be a stretch. I was looking for a fulfilling ending (laughs) in which somebody won (laughs) something. (laughs) I don't think we're getting there. I think everyone's going to be in, you know, up the creek without a battle. It's not a fairy tale, that's for sure. Oh, gosh, no. Not not a... Um, not Maybe a Hans Christian Andersen kind of fairy tale, you know, hmm. or Grimm's Brothers. What did you think about the Blacklister? Uh, once again, it was one of those interesting things that it wasn't necessarily the blacklister they were at. I mean, yes, Red was after him, but he wasn't 
while he was a horrible person, you know, selling opiates, um, he was his poor kid. Like I, that's, the, part, that's the person I felt really bad for was the kid. Is he's just? I really liked how they shot that first scene. That was very good. It looks like he was following the mm-hmm. woman. And you know, I mean, he's in, a, he's in a hoodie. He's you know, and and so they're trying to go off cliches there. And the way they're shooting it makes it look like he's following her and going to jump this lady. And then all of a sudden, she's jumping him. And I'm like, well, poor kid, but that was nice. Well done. Well done, camera people. (laughs) I I find myself actually, you know, if I I get off the pedestal or the uh, the chair or the torture chamber of being a theorist, uh, (laughs) because that's what it became lately... um, I actually enjoy the episode very much. I love the the blacklister. I thought he was great because he was an informant. So yeah, he's he's yeah. like most typical, like Esteban, yeah. another CIA informer, or the father um, uh, in in um, in Roslan Denisov, or Red, even Red. Yeah. Red's an informant. Yeah. He has to keep up his criminal ties yes. to be useful to the U.S. government, and so it's the ends justify the means. And to me, and this is a very personal opinion, does not reflect Jens at all. I, you know, I find myself that if you're, if somebody's going to do drugs, they're going to do drugs no matter where they do. They're going to take a mop and they're going to smoke it if necessary. <laughs> a mop? If somebody means a mop, or, you know, a moldy mop or, <laughs> or some. That's a mental image. <laughs> Whatever it is, but they're going to, if people want to get high, they're going to get high. They're going to escape reality out of anything they want. That is, that's what happens. So, um, I, you know, to me, the, 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 that's just like, yeah, it, because it is illegal, so it's a bad thing. But if you go into the abstract, you know, really. This is a, as as uh, Megan has said before, this is a heightened reality. So you do have to take a step back of the moral pedestal that some of us kind of get on sometimes. And, yeah. and look at, and that's, I mean, Cooper went through that in this episode where he started out, you know, the opiate, you know, opiates are, are responsible for the deaths of thousands of people in America every year. And just like, let's take this man down. Yeah. And, and by the end of it, he was going... All right, well. It's all right, don't worry. He's an informant. He has taken all this. And, you know, at the end, you know, it's like they, it's like you, you look at it and, and this is what you get, you know. You look at Prohibition and say, yeah, that went far. Yay. <laughs> Accomplished a lot. <laughs> and, you know, at the end, you probably, uh, you can't, there's some things in human behavior you can't control. So I, I didn't have any problem with, with the black man. He was a very devoted father. Yeah, I mean, as sketchy as he might have been as a human being, he was at least seemed to be a really good dad. So that ha- he had and, that going for him. And I found it interesting that the, they this is the first time, the second time that they have had, this is the second, the third time that they have had somebody in, in a boarding school. And I thought it interesting because, you know, my theory that, you know, my former theory, when I used to be a theorist, that Emma was Jennifer and I'm, that she had been sent to boarding school. I'm telling you, you would not, it's like a drug. You're not going to get away from the theorizing. <laughs> I might theorize, but I'm not going to construct the theories to the extent that I would doing it yeah you know that's kind of where i am like yeah maybe this is it maybe this is not i'm not going to make a post 
you know, detailing with my timelines and studying each episode by watching a scene 15 times. I watched the scene with Jennifer five times. And I tell you one thing. I am, I have a, I'm batting a hundred on reading people's body language. So if an actor is remotely competent, I and she can't is. read body I, language. I, I know Fiona from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, where she played uh, Bart Curlish. And I, she was fantastic as Bart. I, I don't think I've seen her in anything else, but I did see her on that. And that's, that's one she's of those She's highly regarded yeah, in I, what I've read. She's and very I could good. not read Jennifer. Besides, even part I, of the point. I found it very interesting that, you know, she is gorgeous, the actress. She's really beautiful. They, I, I know that they really, in Dirk Gently, she is, she's, people lovingly call her the uh, the dirt muppet. Um, because she just basically rolls around in dirt and never washes her hair and she's just crazy and all over the place. And, um, and so when I saw her, you know, <laughs> all nice and like, you know, has washed her hair and all of this, I'm going... Oh wow, she's very pretty. <laughs> you know? Well, I've seen I've seen pictures of her um, online and and some um, that are on the uh, on her you know official pictures, mm-hmm. and she's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, uh, they they had to, they go be above and beyond to give her poor posture, horrible wardrobe, uh, and make her look as dull as. That was one of the things that I noticed. I I told that to the roomie because the roomie was the one that got me started watching Dirk Gently. And I said, you know, she this is the second show I've seen where she's just always curled over and and very bent over. And it's it's a different way of going about it because Bart's that way because she's about to leap out and murder you. Uh, You know, Jennifer seems (laughs) to be that way because she's she seems downtrodden beaten yes. by life um you know or just trying to run below you know under the radar her entire life which is possible if she's been in wit sex she has lived her entire life trying you know trying mm. to be somebody that's not noticed where are we in the blacklister how do we get here what do you mean we were discussing the blacklister i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we got back over to <laughs> yeah we got back to jennifer what we really want to talk about but it's true we've been uh, waiting for jennifer for seasons come on <laughs> but let's let, we, let's go back to 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 uh to jennifer later and then just finish with with a whole caper and the heist and red mm. because it was delightful well it was i loved um liz and rom's caper it reminded me of redemption uh, yes, it was very redemption-like. It was. And I have no idea who wrote this one, but it was. It very much reminded me of redemption, and I loved Aram's very hesitant nature on everything. Oh my God! When he says, "You know, I'm gonna be so sorry," he's like, "I'm," and he gives her that look. It's like I think that in that moment, well, he just Liz got down a couple of pedestals with him. He's like, "Nah, I don't think so." <laughs> yeah, I love you, Liz, but. Boy, you're crazy. But I, I love the fact that they took this from Pilomena, the, the, the bike thing. Uh, they, they had all this, all these things that 
go back to other seasons. So I, I love all of them. I, I didn't catch what he told the man in the first round. But I was re-watching it today. And I just love that. Will you pray with me? And then pray the guy goes, and then the guy, like, what? He's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, that, I, found, I found that to be... Um, perfect, perfect. Oh, I loved that, it. That scene with Aram and Liz was perfect. It was, it was basically like two capers that they did. One was was Aram and Liz together, and I found it was hilarious. Um, you know, the planning and the whole thing in in Aram, which just, I mean, Aram had got like ten thousand tons better. It's amazing. Uh, on on all these, you know, uh, undercover stuff is well, he's doing really he, good. He's feel ready for one. Two, yeah. he's been dating a Mossad agent for over a year now. He's had to pick something. I mean, if Liz and Tom were sitting there trading spy secrets, you know that Saram and Aram, or Samar, Samar and Aram are as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's on the list of things that tick me off that they killed Tom. I wanted double dates between those two spy couples so badly. <laughs> But I know there, you don't like that kind of stuff, but I do. I'm a shipper, <laughs> and those yeah. are my ships. I don't you know what I am anymore. I'm, I guess a casual viewer. I'm actually wearing a shipper T-shirt right now. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's me. That's me. In a I'm nutshell. not a theorist anymore, so Lord knows where I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing. You're in writer purgatory. <laughs> um, you know, I'm hoping that in these four episodes they're gonna blow my mind up, and I'm going to be like, "Oh my God, they're they're perfect and they're brilliant." Because at this point, it's we're, we're, it's just those two extremes. There is no middle road. Anymore. I want them to. I keep saying, and I've said this for a long while now. Please prove me wrong. I am begging you. But let's go but back my, to red. My hopes and my expectations are entirely different things here. That's mm. that's my life. That's become my life. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, hang on. we still had some more under the task force. Um, yeah, no, no. Red with, with the task force. Oh, and okay, Pat. okay. I was going to say, Jean-Philippe. I loved Jean-Philippe. He was amazing. <laughs> with his flirtation with Samar. So, okay. I, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before. And it's a funny story. I tell it so many places because it's just that entertaining. I took French at at Baylor University, and um, I went to Europe almost directly after I graduated. And um, I went with my folks, and they, I was the only one who knew enough French to get around Paris. And, but, you know, I, I, we, as we discussed last week, Jen is not great with languages. Um, (laughs) English, I'm great. Anything else? My pronunciation's always off. It's just, it sounds terrible. Um, but anyway, and so I'm ordering dinner at this restaurant, and the the waiter's like, "Where did you learn your French? It's so good. You're very talented." With you know, I'm just going on and on. And I looked at my dad when he walked off, and I said, "Ha! See, I can speak French." And he goes, "He was flirting with you." I said, "No, he wasn't." I said, "Don't be jealous. I can speak French." And so. <laughs> get to England about a week later and I'm telling this to a Frenchman that's working in the the area and I'm talking to him and telling him this story I said so ha I can speak French and he goes yeah he was flirting with you we Parisians we're we're big flirts you want to go get a drink Mm. (laughs) that's all I could think of with (laughs) Jean-Philippe was we Parisians are big flirts drink (laughs) he was awesome yeah I loved him 
Um, but I love the fact that that Red is parks them in a hotel. Def, Red definitely loves parking them in hotels. And then he has this little thing, and he's having a it's little a power chat. trip. It, it's a power trip, is what it is. You go here when I tell you to go here, and you do this when I tell you to do this. He is he is putting them in his in their place. Yeah. Is what he's doing. And, and meanwhile, but 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 what killed me about this episode and was absolutely perfect is that there it is. He has a guy that he just hit on the head and he's passed with, out with, in a, his wine huh? with a wine bottle. With a wine bottle. wine bottle. <laughs> that obviously was uh, empty, uh, full when he did it. And he's been oh. drinking all this. Meanwhile, Dembe is preparing this absolutely gorgeous cheese plate with things cut beautifully and organized so that they're so pleasing to the eye not like everything just dumping there Dim- just beautiful Dimbe doesn't half-ass anything Dimbe is king I mean just like if he's gonna do something he's gonna go all the way <laughs> I love him and then they're talking about about the, the does it have any queen space does he does he have um, I, and meanwhile the guy is like you know you're we're going to have another go with that bottle of yours. Red, I just, Red, Red I've had too much to drink to hear what you're saying in any language. And then, and then, well, he was calling him in some son of a, son of a whore. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> and Red is like, yeah, whatever. And, but I find it funny because this is the second episode that we've seen Red drinking heavily. Yeah. The other one was the Ven. I actually made that note in my notes that was he spending this one drunk too? Okay. Yeah, I find it funny because a lot of people say that the whole thing about Belgrade and 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 we're getting into the Belgrade thing. Um, <laughs> it was because he was drunk, but drink doesn't do that. Drink doesn't make you forget the past. In fact, sometimes it actually makes you sharper about the past. And you, what you don't remember is what you did under the influence of the drink, not about the past. So he's not going to forget about Brussels. I disagree with that. Um... Yeah, like, yeah, okay. It, it, it affects the present. It no, depends on how much you drink. It, it, it depends on how much you drink. <laughs> if you forget what happens. <laughs> you may forget what happens when you're under the drink, but it won't make you forget what happens in the past. That's not the way memory works when you're eh, under drink. Okay. It, it, it may dull things. You may, you may remember them a little sweeter than they were or a little worse than they were, but it doesn't affect that you remember what they were. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Uh, it, it's just the way that what drinks does. It's, it's more an emotional thing than, an, than a cognitive mm-hmm. thing. And then uh, as, as opposed to what happens to the things in the present, that's when you wake up somewhere and you have no idea how you got there because you were drunk. But it won't happen in the past. And we got to, um, to, to, to planning the heist was, I love the way they did this because they're, they're doing it as they're planning it. And it was just great. A wrestler's it, reaction. Oh, the elevator. <laughs> I was just like, this is like, yeah, you had the same idea. And Samar's just like, don't murder him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Samar's look through that whole thing, which is priceless. Cause wrestler's like, I'm going to throttle you in five seconds. <laughs> you know? It's and. That that scene was was superb. Uh, I loved it because here it is, Red. You know, this time not even Liz. They're on their own doing all this crazy stuff with this caper, and 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 here we go to my gripe: Brussels and Belgrade. 
I put that in the notes just for you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought of you. All right. Um, yeah, Red had a house in Toronto. Eh, you know, it's in the same continent. It starts with the same letter. It's fine. Toronto, Tacoma Park, it doesn't matter. That's the same thing as saying Belgrade and Brussels. It got me extremely upset when I saw the preview. Well, I said... I remember. Okay, it was scary. Yeah. Calm down. Calm down. When did it you calm is... down? Between the oh, first I and the didn't... second watch? No, 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 no. I calmed down after hearing the Belgrade thing when I, you know, did like 15,000 posts about Belgrade. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah. Then I calmed down a bit and said, let me just wait for the episode and that will seal the fate. And I watched the episode and I was furious. Furious. Then I rewatched the episode today and I was taking notes and I decided, well, I wasn't going to do this, but this kind of like makes me want to go back and get the script and read the script, not only listen to the thing, but read the script before we record this. And I started thinking, wait a minute, Red is not saying that Russell tried to kill him in, in, in Belgrade. He says, it's like you didn't try to kill me in, in Brussels, in, uh, in um, Belgrade. And Russell says, no, it wasn't. So then I remember that thing that Panabaker did, that deny-non-deny thing and, and do yeah. all that. And it like, might have oh. been. It might have been. So was that like a theme of the show? Like, Reddy saying, well, you didn't try to kill me in, in Belgrade. And Russell says, no, I didn't because I tried to kill you in Brussels. But that's where we go back to my issue with the writing has not been solid this season. And so can we trust? Is, what have you been saying? Is it brilliant writing or is it terrible writing? We don't I know. Mean, is it possible that absolutely everything that we have been griping with is, is down to something. I mean, the things that we're not going to get away from it, like they recon Samara Sage, which I thought was total. I mean, wait a minute. It is entirely possible that she was lying to this woman. And, and that, that's true. That's but I was going to say, but there, there are other things. I mean, like Tom's age that got retconned. And I complain about it because it's just irksome. I think that was just lazy. I mean, whoever did that, that um, prop. Yeah, messed up. The, I mean, the, they know how to add, yeah. to 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 um, divide, multiply, <sighs> subtract. Uh, um, I I say this as a writer. A writer did that. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't. I, mean, I don't numbers. I words. <laughs> it's like uh, no, uh, no. I mean, you had it in the toe tag. Yeah. Toe tag. Toe tag. Good. No toe tag. Bad. Well, I mean, to be fair, the, the timeline has been a disaster. The the toe tag that I can actually see as a as a thing because, like, the toe tag may be it's different. It's a giant probe in the side, in the, the almost bigger than Liz, where there's no way not to see it. Even the casual viewer will see King yeah. Tom and the date of. Um, but what I was going to say was that it's possible that it was just misinformation because Tom's. Tom's birthday that he has on file with the DMV is probably not his actual birthday. Because it would have been the birthday that he gave Liz when he first yes. met her. And so, I mean, he might have given her a different year. I mean, like, you never... That that I could see being different. And she may... Well, no, because she wasn't the one that did the gravestone. Nope, no, never that mind. would have been... 
Never mind. I'm wrong. That would have been probably red because he the tombstone said what Red has said. You were Elizabeth, husband and and Agnes' father, and that's what the tombstone says. Yeah. Husband, um, and then he he may not have known. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it depends if he knew Red. It knew if Red knew Tom as a kid. Um, well, I he knew know. the Hargraves. You know, it's like you could find ways around everything, and and but there is a point where you say. I, you have to give me a clue at one point that lets me know that I that all these inconsistencies are going to work out yes. to a clue. Yes. And once you give me one of those, even if it's very subtle, and I don't think that there is people that can read more subtle than me, um, but you haven't. Yeah, and that's that's where we're at right now. It's and that's what leaves people like you and me so frustrated at this point and because you know throughout the the four previous seasons whenever there was an inconsistency and i always go back to tom berlin and red every time that i looked at those stories i said they do not match maybe if you don't look at them carefully they do but they don't there is a tiny detail. It's not big, but it's not really fitting. It's almost like you're having a puzzle and there is one row that you're missing in the middle. So you cannot put them in. You can force them, but they don't match. They're more or less in the same color. They're more or less in the same shape, but they don't fit. And I knew then that they had to be a different, um, a different, a, a part of that puzzle that we haven't seen it. When Rent said that he had attended the wedding, followed by Berlin, then Berlin's very precise wording finally made sense. Berlin never said, oh, I found King. I made a connection. Yeah. That phrase always got in my head. It's like, this doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the stories. The stories themselves don't fit. Red says it's Berlin. Berlin he tells a major something else. The major tells Tom something slightly different. Tom tells Liz something slightly different. There is always a missing piece. Once we put that piece in, it's like, ah, there you go. With that piece, I get it. Yep. Red led Berlin to, to Liz. Oops. By attending the wedding. And he was being tracked by somebody who was following rumors. They find that he went to a wedding. Oh, wait a minute. Let me investigate the groom and the bride because they got to be something important for him. And voila, I arrive at Elizabeth King. And we still don't know how he arrived at Tom. He went to Tom and said, hey, I'm going to kill you and the wife unless you work for me. And Tom said, sure, I'll work for you. By the and way, I'm an operative. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that he found that out and went to yeah. to uh, to the he, major. I was going to say he probably went to the major and offered double. Yeah, I, but I mean, but it's like things like this. Once you give me a clue and I start looking at them, and you say, "Okay, I can see that I'm missing something." And that that's what I meant earlier in the podcast when I say, I mean, because like I've always based how well I can read a show off of how well I can predict a show. I that, that seems like the closest availability to be able to tell if, I, if I'm making the right assumptions or not. And for three seasons, 
you know, into four probably. I mean, but definitely for three. You know, Tom wasn't always in there as much in four um, because he, he left for redemption so much. Um, but for, for three and a half seasons, I got damn close to a lot of things over the court because I was reading the character. And, I mean, you've gotten close on, on theories. And so, like, when... And I know other people that have as well. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, so... Why is it that we were all reading this so well for three and a half, four seasons, and then suddenly we're all wrong? That's what I don't understand. That's what doesn't compute with my brain and what yeah. frustrates me so badly. And Because if it were just that I had never been getting, if I had been hit and miss with everything, then I would have just gone, oh, well, I guess I misread this. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, I haven't. It's like when... For example, you know, the, these little things. When when I heard Dom said nappies, I just had an idea, and I said, well, I'm going to get a, a British clue, and once I get the British clue, I know exactly where I'm going. I, I know. And then they gave me the clue, and I'm like, okay, I get it. It was I was anticipating what they were giving me. And like, okay, I'm reading this right because I'm anticipating it. Yes. Same as I know that in that whole story of Fitch, and the Decemberist and Berlin, there is more to it. Because, again, it doesn't fit. There is a little detail there that doesn't fit. So I knew that they had to be something, and I'm still waiting for it. So I don't know if they're, you know, if this is being so complex and now I can't read it, or, or, or what is it, but definitely. But other than that, I really love the scenes with them. They were great. The, the, the caper was great. It was you know, it was fun to see wrestler and Samar in Paris. And my my biggest question about it was, and I put this in the notes. I said twice through, I still had trouble understanding. I mean, because wrestler and Samar made the comment. They said, if we blow the cables, we're going to risk killing this guy. And Red, I'm trying to remember Red's exact phrasing. You may remember. It risk comes from uh, from not um, from not understanding the situation. Yeah, and so. While, while I would think that Red, you know, if that had been that, then I would have thought that Red never meant to blow that last cable. That that was his intention, was to stop it there. But Jean-Philippe, who had set the cables, who had done everything, he was under the impression they needed to blow. That they were all going, and he was frustrated, he was upset. And so, two rounds, third, I'm still going. Because, think about it. What are they telling you about the character of Reddington? I Something mean, that Cooper has always said. Playing playing close to the vest? I mean, do you think that's what it was, that Red knew that last cable wouldn't blow? He's reckless to the point of being suicidal. Mm, okay. He's I was trying to be nice to Red. I, <laughs> I tried. I tried. Reckless. And, you know, the funny thing to me is that in a way, in a very twisted way, we're getting very interesting clues. Do you remember what the, the promise uh, picture of season four was? The only one? Yeah, it was with, with Red Mask like, peeling up. Yeah, hmm? and we've had one of Liz the same way, too. Not, yeah, it, was, the, it was a different the, kind of thing, but it was still... Yeah, a faceted face. Yeah. And, and, but Red was this, this um, peeling of the mask, and, and I think what we're seeing is something that we're looking at Red's weaknesses 
at red miscalculations because Fred is so good at, at being the magician and making everybody believe he knows everything. You forget that he doesn't. They already told us this season he led Berlin to Liz by attending that wedding. He and this uh, things like this happen all the time. He's just good at thinking in his feet, and that yeah. he tells that to to us to um, to um, Braxton. You're not good at thinking on your feet. So I think that we're seeing very masterfully done how we're peeling red because people saw that thing with the mask and they started immediately thinking, oh, that's not him. He had surgery. No, it's subtler it's than that. Than that. <laughs> Yay. It is. You're seeing who red really is underneath that mask that he wears that he's perfect, all knowing all that he's fallible, but he just, he's very lucky. He, He's reckless, and he, he's just—he has guardian angels. He and Dembe, and and people who think, you know. All I can think of now—I doubt it—but have you ever played the Sims game? Mm-mm. When when you play Sims, every great once in a while, I get a, a gumption to go play Sims. Um, and when you do, you get to choose like personality traits for mm-hmm. the characters that you create. And one of them is luck. And so they're lucky in everything they do. And I f- that's red. You know, red got the luck trait <laughs> mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, those, uh, Harry Potter, uh, there was a potion. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yes, well, that one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Um, you, that, that. And that's what we've been peeling. We've been seeing the man behind the mask and I think we're going to find out more and more of this. So in, it's it's this dichotomy that, in a way, a lot of the things are very well-made. And others, like the tombstone. Yeah. Is it, they, and gave us, they gave us the, the that. Besides, we don't even need to have the, the birth certificate. Red told us that Tom disappeared in that, when he was three years old in 1988, he was about to turn four, but he was three in 1988. Excuse me. He yep. wasn't born in 1955, in 1985. I mean, again, that's where things start, like, and that's why I find it so difficult to keep some of my theories because they were based on, you know, I was basing theories on the fact that there was a picture on of a facts. You, yeah. Wait, you were basing theories on canon facts? Well, not just some on canon facts, but some other is there is a picture of a woman blowing bubbles in Scotty's wall in a wall that only has three personal pictures, a dog, a woman blowing bubbles with a girl, and uh, the picture of her with, with Christopher and Howard. Mm-hmm. I but I based, I, it has to mean something because... And maybe Scott it did at one point. Maybe it did at one point. I I have been convinced for ages that Tom and Liz knew each other as children. But I was also convinced that part of that was going to weave around and that at the end of it, they were going to succeed where their parents failed. And that was going to be the the end of the story. They succeeded where their parents failed and they got to set Agnes up to be even Mm. better than they were, to have a normal life. I, ish. I, I, ish. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as normal never, as you can be. I never expected that because most of spy things. But then, but, you know, maybe and, it is not a spy story. I was going to say, we, we've had the discussion as well, and I know that you disagree with me on it, but I'm, I'm very solid on this. 
spy TV is different than spy movies because you just it's it's TV storytelling versus movie storytelling is a very different beast. You have to be able to give that emotional. I I, I saw a theory the other day talking about the play that that Red discussed. Um, Mother Courage. Yeah, in season three with Liz. And, and how the play, you know, it wasn't the acting. It was the play alienated, you know, the, the audience right. and this and that. And I was talking to the roomie about it. And we both have, have English degrees. So we've been, we're both theater nerds. We, we are in the creatives. And we were talking about, I said, you can, your your theater audiences will accept much darker tones, much harder hitting things i think than your casual tv watchers and so to say that in <laughs> i'm not bashing on this person's theory they had some very very interesting points in it um but to to say that you're basically looking at your tv audience and trying to take the same approach you would with a theater audience i think is miscalculating your audience well um, I don't know if they've done I, that, but if they have, I would, I would I, think that's a I don't know because, I mean, if you, let's say, for example, the Americans. I don't expect the Americans is going to end up well. I mean, spy stories, even, I mean, they may, but they are, they become anodyne when, when we, when they become happy because it, it runs contrary to the emotional makeup of the characters. Nobody's a spy with being like happy. And people who are, I mean, if you're telling me that you have people given to secrets, to manipulation, of extreme manipulation, and they're going to end up having a happy life, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen. But I don't, and see, that's where I always saw the blacklist going, is that the parents were going to pay the price, and the kids were going to learn to be better. You know, because mm. that's that's that hopeful stretch towards that's the a future. very american thing i can say that as a non-american born mm -hmm. american it's a very american thing but but and i find it charming but i also know that that you know a realistic spy story yeah see you you and i have very because i mean i'm thinking and i, I still haven't gotten to the end of alias i'm so close i'm so close but i'm rewatching chuck right now and chuck is in and to be fair a lot of people were very disappointed with the end of alias really i uh, never watch it but i, I heard but the ending was pretty good um but i mean even i mean this show I, i've made a lot of comments about how much it parallels fringe i mean that didn't have a happy ending for the lead um, necessarily, but it had a fulfilling ending in which he sacrificed so that his son and his son's family could have a chance, you know, and there were a bunch of lies and a lot of, you know, it wasn't a spy show, but it was, it still had a but lot of the same Did they ever tropes. have the sun go as dark as Liz? I need to rewatch it, but yeah, he went pretty dark, I think, a couple times. Um... I mean, he started. He started pretty, pretty gray. I mean, he was a con artist when it started. <laughs> I loved Peter. <laughs> Peter's awesome. He started as a con artist. <laughs> um, and so I think he actually worked more towards the normal life, and that's that's kind of what I saw with Tom. Is you know that kind I, of character? I, yeah. I mean, we've we've discussed that. We've been in that. Yeah. yeah. But um. Can we talk about how Red 
the things that Red did, he called his secret precious. That was a great scene with Liz. How I does loved, it feel to be a walking anachronism? <laughs> I loved the comment where uh, where he said that he had a lead on Garvey. She goes, I had a lead on Garvey. You made him disappear, <laughs> which is like, thank you. Well, but it's true. I mean, he, he, I mean, likely Liz would never have been able to prove because it was all like, oh, I, I, his word against her word. It would never have been... Um, it would never have been okay. Accepted. That that's that's something I I do have a legitimate question on that because like that makes no sense to me. The statement that the guy gave Liz that seeing Ian Garvey stab your husband isn't the same as proving that he did it. And I mean, it's an eyewitness. I understand that she had a massive head injury, but but not a independent eyewitness. That that would be just convicting somebody because I'd say that you stab somebody and I was there but there is no independent but, wait, but when you combine that with another witness I mean granted he got away uh or got stolen away um but, but and, and you from an alley in a thing and honestly I don't think that that witness existed that's I that's a possibility fabricated as well. the witness big to give less credibility be and then spirited him away because that way even a weak witness was a great chip to to uh, to press Garvey with. But I'm just saying, with, with the multiple uh, internal affairs audits on him and Liz, and I just mm. so what? What good is an eyewitness if their testimony doesn't matter? Like, I mean, so I could be standing there if if someone breaks into my home and kills my best friend slash roommate. Is my is my witness not credible to anything? I can't say, all right, I can pick him out of a lineup. I mean, of course not. Of course, I would be able to do that. They would take. I would be their star witness because I was right there. Not, not if the person. Let's say that this person that broke and, and killed your best friend were a known criminal. You would have no problem because your word against the word of a non of a known criminal, a drug dealer, would be. Absolutely unimpeachable, and and this person will go down like a ton of bricks. But let's say that you're now saying that I saw the vice president of the United <laughs> States kill somebody in my home, and you think that your testimony is going to take down okay. somebody's credibility is way above yours because of the the, the office, yeah. the elevated okay, office. Okay, I guess I see that. Yeah, and Garvey well, just like Arsenal. no, no obvious yeah, connection to the situation. Okay, not yeah. even a deputy. I mean, a guy who carries a real. I mean, he's the real thing. Yeah, you you can you know they would be like I was there legitimately investigating. I was following the guy. He will come up with fifteen ways of explaining his presence there, even if they have left any any traces of, mm-hmm. that I was there investigating the crime. Like yeah. he was investigating the crime of, of, uh, of the one that the, the, the one red, um, talked about in or the Singleton's the, murder. I mean, yeah, he Singleton's straight up murdered Singleton and, and he was there five seconds yeah. later going, I want answers. <laughs> exactly. So, so that, that, that's, that's what he meant is just, you, it, it seemed to me that he would have known that he was being investigated and he started making 
you know, his own things and, and beyond the straight and narrow and things like that. Oh, pay somebody from internal affairs. Didn't he have the guy from internal affairs in the police in his pocket, the one that, that set up wrestler and yeah. told him about that with, with, yeah. I mean, um, can I say how much I loved Cooper's thing? Uh, with with Panna Baker, that was another. I mean, it was a great episode. In that we have those these little interactions around with Liz, the the trio in, in Paris, the the quartet in Paris, and and uh, and Cooper and and Panna Baker. And I love because at the end, Panna Baker starts laughing when he says, "You know, do you want my non denial denial, or we're going to play footsie first? Uh, exactly the same that she told him. I think so, she has a lot of respect for him. Yeah. I, I really like Panna Baker, and he says, you know, put he put he's now in in Reddington's uh, debt, which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And that's entirely accurate. I love Coop. Like, if they ever make me hate Cooper, I will never forgive them. Um, <laughs> I, so I I really yeah, like that, it was it was super fun, and and that part with with Panna Baker and the non denial denial that you know the, don't have that it's. So um, it, it's it's a very very strange episode, and we haven't even go. Oh, can I tell you about Christos Matthias? You know that I love when they use names that they have used before, especially names that combine two characters. Like they have Alan Ray Rifkin, and then they have Howard uh, Howard Ray uh, Bishop, and then now we have Christos Matthias, and I'm like. Ah, look at that. I wonder if you're giving me a clue. And then it's, but then you don't know anymore because you can't make a theory because you can't trust details. And I hate it. I, you know, I'm sorry. This is where I've been at all the last half of the season. And I, I am both really sorry that you're here with me. And also like, this is where I've been. This is why I've been so frustrated. And so I'm very torn on this. You're my friend, and I don't want you to be hurting, but now you understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we talk about the elephant in the room, or the, well, as I call her, the sack of wet clothes. Jennifer. Oh. <laughs> We've been talking about her. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but a bit more. I mean, here it is, Liz, that takes this woman over there, right? That's, I mean, we've talked about that part. Are you insane? You take this woman that you've seen that that is so close to Garvey to your home, tell her everything, and then expect, and then go ahead yeah. and tell her that you're also the daughter of Raymond Reddington. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, why would you spill everything that you've got to her? This is where we are in the investigation. Don't go and, tell him or anything, you know? <laughs> It's like and, <laughs> and, and incidentally, I am also the daughter of Raymond Reddington. Yes. Just because you say you are. Now, let's talk about this. Because we started talking and we got deviated about it. Supposedly, Jennifer is so scared of her father. Where are you getting get a, scared? Where are you getting scared? She's being hiding to get away from him. That doesn't mean she's scared. Well, hold on. Let's say that you're not scared of your father and your father comes to you and he's a criminal. You tell him, hey, dad, you know what? I really don't want to be near you. So leave me alone. 
most likely your criminal father is going to say, okay, well, I is guess. Is he? I mean, Red is not known for leaving people alone he doesn't want to leave alone. Look at Liz. I mean, he's been but in Liz the middle always, of her. No, 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 wait. He was ready to walk away. He was packing his bags. She came back. Yes, Every time, but, that, but that doesn't mean that Jennifer, I mean, you don't know what Carla told Jennifer. You don't know what sort of information she has on him. Hold on, hold and on. So, I'm just saying that, that afraid of him is an assumption. It could be that she just wants nothing to do with him. She's not necessarily afraid he's going to hurt her, but more that she doesn't want him coming in and screwing up everything that's she's built. the perfect life that she has. Yeah. Well, you know what? Some people are really happy waiting on tables, okay? I'm not saying that it's not perfect life when you do it by choice. But and that woman doesn't seem to be doing this no, by choice. No, there is nothing that says that she's not. I saw oh, that body no- language says, I'm so comfy in my life. See, to me, the body language said, I am trying to fly under the radar. I'm trying to be someone that does not attract attention. Which would make sense with, you know... I mean, she's not going to go be a star lawyer or something like that or, you know, a government official if she's trying to fly under the radar. She's going to take a job that just lets her, you know, maybe she's a social person, but she doesn't want to, you know, broadcast her, her place. So she takes a job as a, as a waitress, as a well, bartender. You know, I mean, that, that makes sense there. And so well, that doesn't necessarily mean she's terrified for her well-being from Raymond Reddington. I'm just saying it's... There's another side of that. That That is an assumption on the character development. We don't have enough information oh. yet. Okay, hold on, hold on. But let me let me finish because I've I, I got to make the case. Okay. i got to make it. It's not, it's not simple. i got to make the case. Okay, go. You, we start by Carla. Carla gives an impression to the marshals that come to her house that she's terrified of Red. Oh, he's back, isn't he, with that look mm-hmm. of terror in her eyes. But then she gets saved by Red. He comes into the cabin. Oh, thank you, Red, for saving me. No, I go over to you and I punch the headlights out of you. I break the skin. I leave you bloody. Not a slap, a very feminine thing to do. A punch. Punch him hard enough to turn his head and leave a bloody mark. That's not a woman that is scared. No. Okay, now, Carla was in witness protection, and it seems that Garvey was indeed the man who put her in witness protection. Now, people who are put in witness protection for their protection generally don't receive visits from the marshal, because that would be like drawing attention, like putting a giant thing saying, I am in witness protection. So there it is, already a dichotomy there. Now, she says that he helped me hide from my father, uh, because you're not because of he's a criminal and you guys don't catch him, and then this woman who's doing this to hide from her father, being that she's scared or being that she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, tells a perfect stranger who pulls a badge on her and takes her to an apartment and tells her that they're running an investigation and has a crazy wall and a bunch of boxes that. You know, if there is anything, even for the wet sack of clothes that says this woman is insane, it's I'm living here and all I'm doing is investigating this murder because the bosses are still there and this looks like a 
the home of a crazy person. And then I'm going to go over there and tell the crazy person, I'm the daughter of Raymond Reddington, just in case you want to go and find him and tell him where I am. Because I didn't, that's the reason I've been hiding my entire life as a sack of wet clothes. No, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If she were really not wanting to have anything to read, she would have said, hey, Garvey was among the, the friend of one of my dad or my mom who passed away and left me over here. And she, he's a good man. What are you talking about? I have nothing to do with that. He just come to see me. Or there were just, a thousand things. Or mm -hmm. just leave out. I mean, because some people, do, that's not their thing, their go-to to lie. I mean, especially to a federal agent. I mean, regardless of if she's crazy or not, she flashed a badge. That's going to put a lot of people into truth mode to begin with, especially if they grew up around the marshals and, like, you know, these are the people mm -hmm. you, these are the only people that are safe to to discuss the truth with. I mean, but that's a possibility of why she said Red's name, but I could also see that, like, why wouldn't she just she, say that she she's... She volunteered that information. It wasn't that even Liz was telling her anything about it. She volunteers that yeah, she's... Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say, was she could have just said something about, I have a criminal father, and then left out who it was. Yeah, I mean, she could have even gone a step back, because Liz wasn't asking her about witness protection. She volunteered that she had been in witness protection. She could have said, I mean, there were so many simple things like, I don't know, he's always been near me. He's been a good guy. He's been like a surrogate father to me. Leave it at that. That was, that was not a lie. That was not offering extra information and keeping the thing that she's been trying to do, which is being away from Raymond Reddington, away from that. Instead, she actually directed the conversation towards Raymond Reddington. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do not disagree with you. Um, I, if she's Jennifer, which kind of like Brett is Liz's dad until proven otherwise. Um, if she's Jennifer, I see of one of two things. I see, well, I, I think that Garvey's been using her regardless, but either she knows or she doesn't know. I think it's possible that she knows and she's in on it with him, but that yes, he's been using her, but she's cool with that because if it get, if it you know she's got some sort of vendetta against Red, she wants to take him down too, and so they're you know this is someone that she already trusts because she spent her childhood with him. He's a surrogate father, and so she's kind of gone off into the dark side to to be the the quote unquote dark Liz, you know. If if we're mirroring these two up, and you'll have Jennifer versus Liz and Garvey versus versus Red, I could see that that boiling down. Well, I, I thought it was interesting because obviously, if let's say that we can assume that Garvey had to do something with the fire, correct? I mean, we're getting so many things with the fire that it's you know it's impossible to deny. You hope so. Yeah, it's the the blacklist uh, Twitter feed put on the other day. They retweeted someone and. Someone said something about, well, we hope it's going somewhere or something like that. And they said, well, you would hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or it's got to be going somewhere. And I just, I, I respond to them as like, we certainly hope so, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the thing. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's... Um it's it would seem so and then let's say and and i I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, even as a non-theorist theorist to, to go into Panabaker thing, since I'm not theorizing, theorizing, um, 
I cannot find a way around the fact that the fire and red disappearance are the same. There's just no way. I mean, that year, it's so awkward. I'm not even sure how people not see that. How Katerina could think that Red was alive, was dead, if he was just going about his life? Like she, the, Obviously, he has had no problem finding him. He's finding him in the car in his, her woods. You know, finding him in her normal environment, which shouldn't be that hard for a master spy with many names, the star of the KGB. Yeah. So, I mean, it has to be. So, Garvey had to be somewhat related to the fire, somewhat related to putting Carla and Jennifer in witness protection. So, I was wondering, let's imagine she is not Jennifer. And all Garvey knows is what what Carla has been feeding him. Oh, I'm so terrified of red. I'm terrified of red. I don't want to. So, so he manufactures a Jennifer because he knows there is a Jennifer. He put her in witness protection and then finds a way to give her to Liz because he knows that if he just puts that in, Liz is going to reveal who is she to Red or he's going to lead her to Red. And to be fair, watching Liz for the last four and a half seasons, nearly five full seasons, if you throw someone that has family next to them, if they share blood, she gets really truthy on you. I mean, just look at Kirk. Look at her reaction to to Alexander Kirk and the way she just immediately trusted him. And yeah, so it's, it's that's, fine. You're almost threw my baby out of a roof and with yeah, yourself. Yeah, but I. But you're my dad. You know, yeah. stop. No, throw him off a roof. Um, sorry, I hated Kirk. Um, I, I was very much aligned with Tom when it came to Kirk. Just, no, <laughs> this is not the person to trust. Stop, Liz. <laughs> you know? Well, he was, he was an uh, interesting character. Oh, he was, he was very fascinating. But, like, when it comes to should Liz trust him or shouldn't she, absolutely not. Um, but, but she does have this history, and she's been doing it with Red for four and a half seasons, in which she just... Okay, there's a link there, so obviously I have to trust you, and it's like, and 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 let's say that this, she is Jennifer. It, you know, they have basically feed us that Liz is is Bubble Girl. So if Red was taking Liz to her home, then Jennifer had to have been there. So Jennifer had to have known that there was another another child there or, or you know or you have to go into my theory which now seems even crazier than before it's you know that has a lot of attention to detail that i'm not sure existed <laughs> sure. anyway did you notice that we are on to the one one to the third character that is described openly as being obsessed with red kirk berlin rostov garvey and then we have Peter and Kate and, and Kirk, and they all being obsessed with Red. Yeah, he's a popular fella. Mm-hmm. Popular to hate. Yeah, well, and say he was good popular. Um. <laughs> Any publicity is better than none. You know, that's what they say. Sometimes I think they're wrong. Um. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, well, um, we shall see what, what happens. Um. I, I, you know, there is a little that I gotta investigate about about Panna Baker being Katavina that will be 
really interesting because that would make sense that, you know, she's been kept under wraps because she's very high up in the government. I'm not a fan of that one. (laughs) No. No. I hate getting in bed with a man. Remember she saying that? Oh, I know. Just no, no. You know, not all redheads are Katarina Rostova. Um, and by the way, you know that name that they gave uh, Lily? Lillian Lily uh, May Roth? One mm-hmm. of the, the meanings of the last name Roth is redhead. But I threw it out there. Yeah, I saw that on Tumblr today. I think it was from you. Mm-hmm. No, right. that's it. So we'll see about for the next. This was the gripe fest. We'll see what next episode, which is two weeks away, uh, bring us. Uh, we we is have it two a lot. No, it's yeah. Next week. There is no episode next week. Hate when they do that. Just finish the freaking season. Um, the next. Oh, no, that's incorrect. Because this is episode 19, Ian Garvey Conclusion. Mm-hmm. When is airing? The 25th. So I guess there we do skip a week. Yep. That's, okay, that's the first time they've done that, where they've done Ian Garvey, or where they've done a name and then done a conclusion an entire half season later, where they've split it. Well, I always felt that, that um, uh, Ross... Uh, the the episode called Constant um, Alexander Kirk should have been other, but of course that wasn't his name. Not that that was yeah. addressed. Yeah. Um. But no, that's that's interesting. I wonder if he's going to Kirk next next episode. Um. I suspect he will. Yeah, a lot of times they die in those. Um, but, but maybe they will go back to that, and he will stay around. Although they talk about his next project, so. I don't think it survives a season. I can't imagine they will. I don't know. I'm looking forward to his death. I'm looking forward to writing his death, to be honest. I finally figured out where I'm going with that in my story, and I'm very happy with it. it does it have Ebola stabbing? Sadly, no. <laughs> Just as going on the fact that I keep saying I want to stab Garvey in the face. <laughs> no, it does not involve a stabbing. Um, though I think Tom would be totally okay with that, and... Uh, there may be a point where Tom like threatens him with a knife, and Liz is like, "All right." You <laughs> might want to do like the gin, just eat him alive. Say what? Do like the gin and eat him alive. Oh god, that was so creepy. <laughs> and they provide the leftovers. Oh. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> you can listen. I to always us. like to end on a positive, happy note. To give you with a permanent impression. Cannibalism! Yay! (laughs) I don't think that he was actually eating the guy. I think he was just carving stuff out and then there was dinner in the fridge. But that's still like who eats after Master? And they provided leftover containers. (laughs) I don't know. Regardless, on that note, you can listen. They said it was cannibalism that he was eating alive. You can listen to us on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. (laughs) We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Please feel free to leave your thoughts. Uh, We had a really good reaction to the Rant Fest last week. Uh, apparently we are not alone in our frustration, so feel free to let us know, guys. 
Welcome into the fold. Yes. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye.